What is up, playlisters and playlistees? I'm very happy to announce that I am back and have a series for you in the works. Uh, This series is going to be a 10-part series on something called the Enneagram. Some of you might be very familiar with the Enneagram. Some of you may even self-identify as an Ennean nerd uh, like I do. Either way, I think this is going to be a really fun opportunity for us to talk about the Enneagram and make playlists that we assign to each Enneagram type. So for those of you who are not as familiar with the Enneagram, um, this episode is going to be an introductory episode and we're still going to build a playlist and we're going to build a playlist that helps us think through what the Enneagram is and what it can be used for. So I'm super excited to talk about this today. The first thing I want to say is just about the actual word itself. So Enya means nine and gram is just something that's written. So in math, it's a nine-sided shape, I think. I don't know. I don't know maths. But in psychology, it's a model for sorting different people into these nine different personality types. In terms of where the Enneagram system even came from, nobody's really sure. It's been around for quite some time as an oral tradition. However, the the folks that have kind of influenced me the most, the, the people that I've learned a lot from, would be Riso and Hudson. Uh, They have a book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram that I consider just one of my go-to texts. Uh, Also, Beatrice Chestnut has The Complete Enneagram, fantastic book. And I really appreciate a lot of the work Helen Palmer has done around working with Enneagram in the context of relationships. So yeah, there's plenty out there. Even just Google Enneagram and you'll have more than you know what to do with. But for those of you who are coming here for the music and not this strange personality type indicator, don't worry, that's what we're here for, is still to build a playlist. And that's what we're going to start doing right now. We're going to start with a song from Patti Smith, and it's a song called Nine. Night, a nine of diamonds, a woman lay and cry at the sister of mercy on the Sabbath day. So although this might have just been an an easy choice because of uh, the reference to the number nine, the third verse is what I like the most when talking about the Enneagram. Uh, The lyrics are, Every card he drew had a different face, lingering and lost, unholy, holy ghosts. I tend to play them all. He spoke with confidence, another kind of strange to shift in loneliness. And the reason I think that this is really kind of appropriate for an Enneagram podcast is this idea that um, every every person is actually really unique. Um, and so even though like a lot of different kinds of ways of sorting people or categorizing people, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Hogwarts houses or any of these ways that we like to kind of put each other in, in teams or boxes, um, and certainly you can do that with the Enneagram, that's definitely kind of a danger to kind of just type different people and say that's the way they are and that's it. It could just be like a fun game, I suppose. I am definitely guilty of that a little bit. However, 
I really like this idea that like every time you're looking at somebody, it's this new, it's this new person, this new set of beliefs and values and way of seeing the world and motivations and, and all these things. But the sense that I tend to play them all. So one of the things about the Enneagram is once, once we start looking at each of the types, ideally you'll, you'll see a little bit of yourself in every type, right? Because there are very just human ways of accessing our, our three basic ways of dealing with our information, which is through the heart and the head and the gut, which is also part of the Enneagram model. It divides all the nine types up into these three um, basic instincts or centers of intelligence. So that's the gut, the heart, and the brain. And so when we go through the types, we're going to start with not number one, as many people expect. Uh, Yeah, we're going to start with two because that's where the center of the heart begins. So two, three, and four. And to be completely honest, uh, some of the types have been easier to come up with songs for. And so I might not always stay in order. I'm going to start with two, and the hope is to then go all the way around the circle back to one. So yeah, that's the plan. Uh, Also, these won't be just consecutive episodes. I do have a couple of really fun guest episodes planned, Um, but part of the reason I wanted to begin with this intro episode is that if any of you listening are pretty aware of the Enneagram and have, you know, and and know what type they identify with and would want to come on and talk about music, build a playlist with me based on on your type, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter or email or whatever, because I think that'd be a lot of fun to do some of these episodes with other people and then also if you just have songs that you've thought oh you know what every time I hear this song I think oh that's such a four song or that's such a an eight song then yeah let me know pass it on and I might uh, use it um, but I'm very happy for suggestions uh, especially types uh, what have I ha- been having trouble with five I don't have a lot of five songs I have a few good ones but not a lot so I recognize that this episode has already been really talk heavy up front I do apologize for that, but I also feel like I need to very briefly go through each of these nine types so that we're all on the same page once I start kind of referencing them as we build the playlist even more. Uh, And even as we talk about how the Enneagram can be useful, I think we can only do that if we know the basic model. This is obviously not going to be super exhaustive because we are going to have an episode for every type. As I said, we're going to start with the two The title for the two is The Helper or The Giver. These are amazing nurturers um, and their need is to be needed. They also tend to avoid their own needs as a result. So they're really focused on other people around them so much so that they can kind of be self-forgetful. The three, I told you this is gonna be fast, uh, is The Achiever or The Performer. These people have a need to succeed and their fear is of failure or worthlessness. So they are folks that really want to stand out. Next up is the four. These are the individualist or the romantic. These are a lot of artists in our community because their need is to be authentic and original. And uh, the flip side of this is that they fear and are trying to avoid uh, a sense of ordinariness. They uh, want to be certain that they have an original voice and something unique to to say. The fives are the observers. That's my favorite 
title for the fives. Uh, you will find other titles, of course, in, in different uh, works, but I'm just kind of picking my favorites. The fives are afraid of uselessness. And I would say even more than that, they have this need to be competent, to know what to do in and how to do anything. They don't want to have to rely on other people. They want to be self-sufficient. Sixes are the loyalists, but I also really appreciate the title, the skeptics. Uh, the sixes are afraid of deviance from the point of view of a really secure and solid uh, structure. So these these are really structured folks, um, but the reason they're called the skeptics is because they ask a lot of questions of an authority before they decide to put their trust in that. Um, however, once they do their classic ride or die, they're, they're real loyalists till the end with whatever they deem kind of worth their investment. So whether that's a political party, a religion, uh, an authority figure, an actual person, or, or a family structure. The sevens are known as the enthusiasts. Their fear is of pain, and so their need is to be happy and free of pain. These are really fun folks who have a hard time with commitment, but know how to have a good time and jump onto the next thing once what they're in gets difficult. The eights are called the challengers. They have a fear of weakness and a need to be in control. The reason they're called the challenger is because they tend to really challenge other people. They have the sense that the truth is going to come out in a fight, so they're not afraid of a fight, and these can be really assertive leader types. The nines are known as the peacemakers. They sound really nice, um, but essentially one of the reasons they're peacemakers is because they're so empathetic in any kind of like situation. If there's a conflict they're going to be the first people that are going to understand where both sides are coming from. However, the downside is they can't often make up their minds about what their actual opinions are. They're afraid of uh, loss and in connection with that, uh, conflict. So they're terrified of conflict, always seeking chill peace. The ones are called the perfectionists, which is a bit of a tricky title. Maybe I prefer the reformer. They're great at renewing and improving systems. This is because they are incredibly critical folks. They have an, uh, a need to be good and right, and right in both the sense of quality, but also the sense of morality. Their fear is actually of anger. So they they want to manage their anger by making sure they're, they're right about everything and kind of justified in their opinions and actions. And... There you have all the nine types in a very tiny nutshell. So with all that out there, I think it's time we have some more music. One of my favorite songs that I think really communicates why we get, why some of us get really excited about things like the Enneagram, and that is Supertramp's logical song, because essentially what these models do is give us a chance to talk about ourselves.
as much as this uh, ends in this like really dramatic flair of tell me who I am, uh, I think it's also uh, great because it kind of gets at that idea that we all construct these identities on top of uh, our real like kind of basic values and motivations. We also have to fit in. And so we repress things that are happening in ourselves. And so I think the logical song acknowledges that, that it's actually not that easy to answer the question, who am I? Another song that I think does this really well is by Vance Joy called Who Am I? Um, And I like this one because the refrain is not just who am I, but who am I without you? Um, And I think we have a tendency to get a lot of our identity from the relationships we're in. And not that that's a bad thing. I think that's really good. But I think that often when those relationships break down or change in some ways, we do go through another identity crisis. Um, But instead of seeing that identity crisis as only this thing that's full of kind of grief and loss, it's also a chance to ask some deeper questions of ourselves and to turn it into an opportunity for a deeper self-knowledge. Hold me up to the light, tell me if the sun comes shining through. And I got this heaviness in my chest since your love came breaking through. And I want to know where it's coming from, where this is coming from, where this is coming from. And I want to know what you're running from, what are you running from? Who am I? the truth is a lot of us do look at different people that have different energies and different ways in the world and we think I wish I could be more like this person which is why I had to include an Abayi track on this podcast uh, on this playlist and that's I want to be like you which I think is an especially kind of fun idea because it's written by a twin um, and so Lisa and Naomi I mean they they look alike they were raised in the same place with the same people Um, and yet they can still have that sense of jealousy or envy between them. And and I I don't know what Enneagram types either of them are, but but I think it kind of goes to show that, like, we can take the exact same experiences and, and respond to them in different ways, and we find that they have different results in our lives. Look at you now, so wild and free. Watching you move, what can that be me? I'm up and down, up and down, I often cry, often cry. Yeah. The only thing I know, I wanna be like you, child. I wanna be like you. Once we start learning more about the Enneagram, I think we'll, you'll start to recognize some of that in yourself. Uh, I know that like when I start talking about the different types, I realize that I do have some 
some envy towards them. Like, um, I, I wish I could access my emotional state like like fours can, or I wish I could be assertive like eights. Um, it's really easy to kind of get into that space of, of wishing you could be like somebody else. Um, I think we can all kind of relate to that. One of the other things that makes the Enneagram really rich, I think, is that it doesn't just focus on the positives. Every type has almost like a, a perfect flip negative side to to a positive side. So for example, with those with those two examples, um, the fours are very, very in touch with their emotional selves. But the negative side to that is that they can often become really melodramatic and extra. <laughs> and with the eights, they can be super assertive, but often, um, especially in women, they can be perceived as bossy and and pushy. Men, for sure, as well. But I think, yeah, in our patriarchal society, we tend to reward men who know how to get what they want, whereas we punish women for the same thing. So that's unfortunate. Anyway, I can't really talk about the the shadow side of the Enneagram without thinking about this classic, classic 80s rock tune from Poison, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. We've both lost silently stealing in the dead of the night Although we both lie close together We feel miles apart inside Was it something I said or something I did? Did my words not come out right? Though I tried not to hurt you Though I tried But I guess that's why they say Every rose has its thumb Just like every night has its dawn Just like every cowboy Sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its thorn So I really want to make sure that I don't make it sound like the Enneagram offers us a way to sort of excuse our bad behavior. I don't think that's what it's there for. And to be honest, I, th I really think that the more that we dive into understanding different types and where they're coming from develops imp empathy within us as we work with others and like live our lives with people who are different from from us. And it offers different perspectives of, of how people kind of interpret situations and how they uh, approach and respond to things and helps us to, to ask questions, not to just say, oh, that's that's completely crazy that that's how you would act, but to really ask the question of, okay, where are you coming from with this? Why are you doing it this way? Oh, okay, I hear you. This is what I was thinking. This is, this is where I'm coming from. Uh, this is especially helpful with any working relationship or any relationship that you're really trying to accomplish things together. Um, and so I think once we start to uncover some of these dynamics, it allows us to move forward and communicate them and get them out of the way so that we can accomplish things together. And so the song that I think is really helpful in remembering to ask this question is a song by Jamiroquai, who does ask that question repetitively through the song. Where are you coming from? Do you know where you're coming from? Well, 
I also just want to mention that uh, without getting too deeply into this, there are all these nine types, um, but there's actually quite a few different ways that people will nuance these types. So it's not that there's these nine categories of people and they are, you know, so similar within each uh, type. There are definitely similarities for especially the basic fears and motivations within these types. However, um, we have, yeah, lots of ways to kind of nuance them. So the first way that I would want to mention is called the subtypes. So just as there are nine basic types that fit into those three centers of intelligence, the gut, brain, and heart, um, and then the nine numbers, and then below that, there's actually 27 subtypes. So there's uh, three different sort of instincts that have a tendency to um, have a greater influence on us within our type. So within each of the numbers, you have... Uh, say say five types with um, a social instinct which is you know really group focused one-to-one or sexual type uh, instinct which is real really focused on those super intimate relationships and the self-preservation type which is focused on keeping the self safe so just as an example, somebody might identify themselves as a social one. Another way that has become really popular in, in nuancing the individual types, especially online, is called the tri-types, which, uh, which I was actually introduced to through my sister-in-law, Rachel. She's brilliant and loves to think about this kind of stuff. And it's really influenced the way that I've started to kind of understand how different people live out their type in a different way. So the way that the theory of the tri-type works is that, uh, I'll use myself an example, I'm a nine, and so a nine is in the gut types. So the eight nines and ones are guts. So I will still identify as a nine, but then my tri-type, I would pick one type from the other two centers of intelligences. Uh, so out of the heart types, the two, three, fours, I resonate the most with a four, and out of the brain types, the five, six, sevens, I resonate the most with sevens. So I would say that I'm a nine, seven, four. Finally, the most popular way to nuance the Enneagram types is called the wings. So just as you might hear somebody say that they are uh, a social or a self-preservation three, you might hear them say that they are a seven wing six. And what that means is uh, you'll notice the wings are always one of the numbers on either side of the primary type. And so you will look at the, the two numbers on either side of the circle in the Enneagram, and you would ask yourself, which direction do you lean more? Which between those types do you resonate a little bit more with? And so for me, I'm a nine. However, I have an eight wing, which is really interesting because although my nineness makes it really hard for me to be assertive and make up my mind, I have this little bit of eightness in me that allows me to become assertive when it comes to uh, sort of protecting the underdog or um, I would say my mama bear kind of flares up. But perhaps most importantly, and as many of your you 80s babies have already caught on to, this is really an excuse for us to play a Mr. Mr. song, Take These Broken Wings.
On the flip side, although this model is a way to grow ourselves and improve ourselves, I do think that there is still this aspect of recognition that we are different and that the difference is a good thing, that we best operate in a community that reflects all of these different types, all of these different ways of seeing the world. Uh, and so I think there does come a time when we need to look at the diversity of the way that human beings are wired and then embrace ourselves, embrace those things that make us who we are and make us tick. My job is to simply be the best nine that I can be. And it's not to convince ones or sevens or fours or anybody else to be more nine-like. And so as cheesy as this sounds, I think we do need to take a page from the James Bay song, Let It Go, and let you be you and let me be me. So come on, let it go. Everything that's broke, leave it to the breeze. Why don't you be you and I'll be me and I'll be me? I feel like I should warn you, especially for those who are new to this conversation, there's one thing that becomes very annoying about the Enneagram. And that is when people begin to feel like they know who you are because they know your Enneagram type. And so there's the sense that you're like, oh, shoot, why did I even tell you that when they start to call me on uh, on my laziness or my inability to make a call on something. And um, and so somebody might say like, oh, you're being such a nine. And then I'm like, oh, come on. No, like that's not what's happening. Uh, but that's actually what's happening. And so that's why I chose this really cute song from The Bleachers called Hate That You Know Me. For those of you who are unfamiliar with The Bleachers, this is Jack Antonoff's solo project. And Jack Antonoff, you might recognize as a, as a songwriter. He's worked with just about every pop artist that you can imagine. And he's also the, well, in my opinion, the best part of the band Fun, if you remember that group. Jack Antonoff is just a really clever songwriter. And so I think that there, uh, he actually plays with the fact that somebody knowing you can be both really frustrating and annoying, but also exactly what we need in our lives. And so he does this flip. If you listen carefully to the, uh, what he's saying during the verses versus what he's saying in the chorus, there's a sense that like he hates actually being this stranger um, just as much as he hates that somebody knows him so well that they're giving accountability. I love that sentiment because I think that's really true. It's exactly what we need out of community is being known, but that's exactly what, yeah, can be frustrating. I've been talking to strangers, acting like I'm a stranger, look like I've been up all night. And you know what? I hate it. I put my things into boxes, carry all of my old lives, rubber band in my past And you know what? I hate it.
I'm really excited to include a Leon Bridges song on this podcast. I adore him. Uh, I adored his first album and I adore his second album. So his first album was, it sounded like it could have been a record from the 60s that was lost. He sounded like he was a reincarnation of Sam Cooke uh, and the whole album just had this real cohesive sound to it. It was beautiful. The second album, I didn't know what to expect and he really went in a new direction with it. Instead of being so tied to a particular era or decade, he really seems to draw from a broader R&B history. Anyway, the song that I want to play for you is Bad Bad News. And this is kind of just a really jazzy, smooth track. It's really fun. It has a great video if you uh, have the chance to look it up and watch it. Anyway, as great as the song is musically, I think its lyrical content is really applicable to this conversation about the Enneagram or really any system that kind of encourages us to do that soul-searching or uh, self-knowledge, self-discovery. And that's the sense that it has a way of kind of putting language to say, even though these are these are the ways that I'm limited, these are the kind of the scripts that I've told myself for my whole life, I'm going to do the best I can with it and I'm gonna create something beautiful. And of course the, the tag within the chorus is, They told me I was born to lose, but I made a good, good thing out of bad, bad news. Ain't got no riches, ain't got no money that runs long, but I got a heart that's strong, and a love that's tall. Ain't got no name, ain't got no fancy education, but I can see right through a powder face on a painted fool. Let me slip through, why you trying to hold me back? song on this playlist I want to use to kind of geek out a little bit. Uh, I say as if I haven't been geeking out this entire podcast. Um, But yeah, this song is called Issues by Julia Michaels. It's it's probably pretty recognizable from a ton of radio play that I got last year. Super catchy pop tune that I have a huge soft spot for. And I picked it because it gets into more of that uh, talking about ourselves in relationship with one another, which is what I think the Enneagram can can really help beyond our own self-discovery, but like figuring out how we relate to the to the most important people in our lives. So I have this kind of fun exercise that I want to do with this. And uh, I recognize that this is probably a little bit more for the Ennea nerds out there. So for the Ennea noobs, if uh, also we're going to listen to a really great song. So hopefully that will that will be enough to satisfy you. Um, and I think this is also a chance to get a sense for what we can do in the future as we get a little bit more deeply into these types and then the the way that they tend to interact with one another. And so what we're going to do is we're going to listen to the song by Julia Michaels. And in this song, she's talking about the issues that she has with her romantic partner who is not named and not gendered. So we're going to just call them them and do a bit of a any analysis of what types I think are being represented in this relationship.
I'm jealous. I'm overzealous. So there we have the very beginning. And yes, we are going to chop up the first verse this much because she does go into a lot of details. So we're going to just break this down line by line. And for the exercise's sake, Julia is the first person in the song. So we're going to refer to her as, as Julia. So the first thing she says here, she's jealous, she's overzealous. And I'm going to pair these two things because I believe that no matter what your Enneagram type is, you could have zeal for different things uh, or would have a tendency to be zealous in a lot of different situations. So it doesn't really tell us a lot. So I'm going to pair it with this tendency to be jealous. Every type also has an ability to be uh, jealous to different degrees. But I think that three primary suspects come up from this kind of hint that we have here because this is a jealousy in the context of a romantic relationship. So I would argue that this may be a hint that Julia is a two, a four, or a six. And this is why. Uh, the twos, their jealousy within a romantic partnership would stem from this desire to be needed. Uh, and, and so the, the tendency would be for the romantic partner of the two to kind of fill that role of needing them. And so if the, if the two perceives their partner as filling those needs elsewhere, uh, definitely jealousy can flare up there. Every type is kind of most associated with uh, one of the seven deadly sins, although because there's nine, they kind of add a couple. Um, so it's not a perfect thing. But the deadly sin of envy is actually attached to four. And the reason for this is because they have a real ability to notice what's missing and then long for that thing to be filled. And so in a romantic partnership, there's a real potential for jealousy there because they notice what is not uh, present in their relationship and, and desire for it. And then the reason I would say sixes is a really tied to that zealousness. Uh, sixes can become really connected to the other people in their lives and actually construct a lot of their identity based on the relationships that they um, kind of connect themselves with. And so if they have a sense that that person is not as uh, loyal to them as they are, that can definitely result in, in some real intense jealousy. Uh, I would also say even like paranoia or anxiety about the relationship. So that's why I would say two, four, or six might be hinted in this line. But let's listen to the next little chunk. When I'm down, I get real down. When I'm high, I don't come down. I'm going to tell you a secret about me here. I'm a bit of a sucker for when artists rhyme their words with the exact same words. I do acknowledge that there are times when it sounds particularly idiotic, but I don't believe this is one of those times. I, I love it when Julia Michaels says this here. In terms of our Enya analysis, I think she is basically describing somebody who experiences the extremes of their emotional life. And so I think on both ends, I think this could point to a lot of numbers. I think sevens are often perceived to be people that experience the highs and they don't come down. They are always chasing those next highs as well. However, the fact that it also includes this bottom of emotions, uh, I think really, again, points us to the four, which is interesting because that number has already shown up for us. The fours are really considered to be the most 
attached to their emotional side. Um, the other number that is uh, also comes from the the heart center, and that's the two. Um, however, the twos are not nearly categorized in this way. They do have an attachment to their emotional side, but also a bit more control over how that how that's expressed because they're so concerned with how their emotions might impact the people around them. I get angry, baby, believe me. I can love you just like that, and I can leave you just as fast. There are a couple things that are going on in this next section. For sure, she mentions that she is angry, but I also want to pay attention to the fact that she adds the line, baby, believe me. Anger is most associated with eights, nines, and ones because they are the gut instinct. And so these types are uh, have a tendency to be responding to their anger. However, the nines are repressing their anger. So I don't think it's a direct reference to, to a nine. And because she kind of has this caveat of baby, believe me, I don't think that she's necessarily as comfortable with her anger as an eight would be. Perhaps she's a one, but I don't think that's super consistent with the fact that she seems pretty comfortable with the imperfection uh imperfect nature of of their relationship. So maybe there's not a whole lot of information we can get from this line about anger. But you'll notice I left it on for the next line, which was, I can love you just like that, and I can leave you just as fast, which I think is really meant to be interpreted as somebody who is super controlled by their emotions. Again, this works really well with some of the other things that that Julia's already said about herself. Uh, There's certainly certain types that can walk away from difficult situations a little bit more easily. Um, I'm thinking of the fives and the sevens, especially. However, because she pairs I can leave just as fast with I can love you just like that, I believe that she's really referencing the fact that she's fallen in love with this person really quickly. And because she's guided so easily by her emotions, the same can happen in the opposite way. So I'm guessing that at least some of you have picked up on the fact that I think, at least from what we know from this first verse, the chances are high that Julia in this song is a four. Let's skip here to the second verse and see what we can figure out about Julia's partner. You do shit on purpose. You get mad and you break things. Feel bad, try to fix things. It says that Julia's partner does shit on purpose, which I think is really just saying that they kind of do things to bug Julia, maybe to push her away a little bit. Uh, I think that there's like this sense of testing there, which makes me wonder about an eight. Uh, It also makes me wonder about a six because they have a tendency to kind of push the people that they want to align themselves with to make sure that that that's what they want to do. Um, But then in the very next line, you also have a reference to anger. Her partner gets mad and tries to break things. I would like to just clarify that um, when you look up the lyrics on Genius, Julia's made an entry there to clarify that her partner isn't trying to break physical objects. They're not throwing lamps at the walls. They're not being physically abusive. But she's trying to get across the sense that you say things and then you are trying to take them back and that there's this break that happens within the relationship, maybe a break of trust. Here, I actually, one of the things that I really wondered about was slightly a slightly unhealthy nine. I mentioned that the nines repress their anger, which means that sometimes it kind of comes out sideways in a way that they aren't able to control as well. And so certainly that would also be in line with the sense that they're right away trying to fix it. Uh, they right away regret creating this this gulf and they're trying to create peace again. 
You're perfect, pearly wired circuit, and got hands like an ocean. Push you out, pull you back in. Okay, honestly, I don't think there's a ton here for us. We just don't find out as much about the partner as we do about Julia, whose voice the song is in, so that does make sense. However, I do think that there are some really interesting things that go on here when she talks about hands like an ocean, pull you out, pull you back in. Basically, whatever Enneagram type this person is, this is a really passionate relationship. And it seems like from all the lyrics, they push each other away, and yet they continue to be drawn back together. There's a real magnetism here. And so I'm going to come out and say my theory. I believe that this song portrays a relationship between a four and an eight. And it's because of this line that that ends our verse, but it's also based on the chorus itself. So I'm just gonna give us a chance to listen to that through. One of her issues is how badly she needs this other person, even though there are all these issues. And I, and I do think that those issues aren't just their own personal individual issues that they're bringing together and, um, and sort of sharing together. It's actually from the clash that happens between the two of them. They have interpersonal is- issues, and yet they still keep becoming drawn back to one another. And so the reason I really see this as a 4-8 relationship is because this does tend to be a really passionate kind of couple. The eights tend to be really passionate people. Um, They tend to be really powerful people with this huge energy and kind of come in and like command a room and are always looking for people who can kind of match that energy, but instead tend to come across as sort of intimidating. However, fours are able to match that energy because they are super passionate from more of an emotional point of view. And I mean, I've heard this from both fours and eights that they do have a tendency to be really attracted to each other. They have these like passionate conversations and connections. And so that's my theory. I'm basing it mostly off of the kind of relationship dynamics that are described here, but as well as I do think that there's a lot of hints towards four uh, when when Julia is describing her own personal experiences. So yeah, I'd love to hear whether you agree or disagree or whether you notice some other things and have other questions about their possible types. Of course, it's all speculative, but yeah, we can do a whole bunch more of this as we progress through the series of the Enneagram. I'm really excited to do this with you. In the meantime, I have one last song for you that I'd like to end with, because no matter how much we talk about this system of categorizing each other and naming one another, I think we really have to remember that we are all beautiful, unique individuals. I will leave you with this incredibly sensitive and touching song from Chance Chance the Rapper's Coloring Book featuring Dram. Dram sings special. Yeah.
So you'll notice a whole bunch more songs on the playlist that we didn't talk about today, um, but definitely check it out. It's on Spotify, Tidal, and Google Play. Uh, I don't have it on Apple. Actually, if anybody has Apple Music and wants to put this playlist together, and then I can provide a link, that would be amazing. So please let me know if that's possible. Um, again, there's like a million resources out there to check out the Enneagram further, so please do that if, if this has interested you. Stay tuned for the playlist episodes, and then, you know, who knows, maybe this will be developed into a test. You can, like, tell me which songs you most relate to, and, and then I can come up with an Enneagram type for you. Um, please hit me up with any ideas that you have. Uh, if you have songs that you just totally identify with your type, let me know. If you want to come guest on the show, that would be amazing. Of course, I've got to give a shout out to Bianca Chamberlain, the amazing human being behind all of my graphics and branding. She, by the way, is a seven. And so if you have any visuals you need help with, you should definitely hit her up. She's super talented. You can find her online uh, on on the Instagram uh, at Bianca, B-E-Y-A-N-K-W-A. And that's about all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. It's really good to be back. You've been playlisted.